welcome to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm your host, Steph Ganowski. After having multiple negative experiences with men, I started to believe all men were toxic. That is, until a few male strangers challenged my belief completely. This made me realize that a major problem with men in relationships stems from the fact that most men don't really love themselves or pay enough attention to their own strengths. I want to change that. Now I'm on a mission to help men thrive mentally, emotionally, physically, and sexually in their relationships with themselves and with women. So stay tuned and see how my passion can help you as a man. Hey guys, welcome back to the What I Love About Men podcast. I'm so excited to bring on today's guest. Um, but before I jump into our guest... I want to remind you to please head over to iTunes, leave a rating and review for this podcast if it's giving you any value in your life, which which I'm sure it is if you keep listening to it. So please head over, leave a rating and review on iTunes. Like I always say, I'll send you over the Ideal Woman Questionnaire. And this is a questionnaire to help you get clearer on the woman you want to attract. If you know exactly who you want to attract, your brain will actually be on the lookout subconsciously for that woman. But you have to know first, okay? So many of you guys are just caught in this habit of saying, well, I don't want to be with someone like this, and I don't want to be with someone like this. But you don't have a clue as to who you want to be with. And that's the most important part. So that's what this questionnaire really helps you do. It breaks down this ideal woman um, so that you can get more clarity around her and know where to find her and how to attract her, okay? So now let's dive into today's episode, which you guys are going to love. Sex Coach Kane is a passionate clinical sexologist, certified sex and relationship coach, and certified cognitive behavioral life coach who is dedicated to educating and empowering individuals about sexuality. Throughout the span of over two decades, Sex Coach Kane has gained extensive knowledge in the field of sexuality, is a member of the World Association of Sex Coaches, and remains a lifelong student of learning. Her goal is to normalize sex and teach people how to achieve the sexual fulfillment we all deserve. I'm so excited to bring to you Sex Coach Kane. Sex Coach Kane, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for being on. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited. I'm so excited. I know the guys are even more excited because they're like, sex coach. (laughs) So what got you into, let's start with like, what got you into being a sex coach? What made you want to be a sex coach? You know, I've always been interested in sexuality. As far back as I can remember, I would steal my parents' books and, you know, mm-hmm. I was that friend that everyone would go to and talk to. And, you know, I had all the juicy knowledge because I would steal the books and read them all the time. <laughs> so I've always, awesome. always had an interest in sexuality. And then I wanted to work actually for the Kinsey Institute as a sexual researcher, but life, life happened and I was unable to do that. And so then I ended up doing an adult novelty company. Which that was the next best thing to be in a sex uh, sex researcher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I did that for a while, and then slowly moved into the, into the coaching because I saw the need, particularly from when I was doing the parties. From when you were doing the what? When I was doing, I was doing the adult novelty parties. Oh, oh, okay. I see what you're saying now. When I was doing the adult novelty parties, when they would go in and order products and things like that, it became a coaching session. Yeah. And so I was like, wow, where do people go to ask these type of questions without feeling shame? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where it, it just stemmed from there. But it's something that I absolutely love. It's my passion. Like I said, I've been studying sexuality since I was a teenager. 
And that's so true. Like there is so much sexual shame. Like I love how you mentioned that because I feel like so many guys come to me and they're so shameful of the way they feel about their sexuality. And like, you know, they don't want to talk about it because it's like, well, what if I can't get hard? And what if I have this weird, you know, fetish or these fantasies that I feel like I shouldn't have? You know, there's so much shame around it. So that's that's awesome. It really is. Yeah. And then it's it's kind of what I do is normalize those conversations because I think that people don't realize how many more people are just like them. They're they're not alone. They're not by themselves. There's many people with um, erection challenges. There's many people with all types of fetishes. So, you know, my approach is, is that as long as it's adult and it's consenting, hey, explore. Yeah, try it. Do it. Yes, yes. Do you find that you work mostly with men or mostly with women? It's funny, mostly with men. Oh. Mostly with men. I've started to get more women here recently. More recently, I've gotten more calls of women wanting to uh, schedule appointments and couples. More couples are coming now. Mm -hmm. But in the beginning, and I would say most often men. What do men come to you? What's like the number one question that men come to you with? Typically coming quickly with the rapid ejaculation and when they're having challenges getting erections. And they also want to know, I, I have to say the top three, I can't just say the yeah. one. And <laughs> the other one is, <laughs> the other one is enhanced pleasure. They want to learn different techniques and how to please their partner and things like that. Oh, that's great. That's what I love about like, there's so many men out there who really want to learn how to please women, you know? So Whenever like women give guys crap, I'm like, no, there's so many guys that like, just don't know what to do, but they want to know what to do, <laughs> you know? And I think that that is wonderful. We actually have it both ways, though. We have some, I meet men who say, I know everything. I don't need a sex coach. And that's like the yeah. worst thing to say because you couldn't possibly know everything. Yeah. I study sex. I've been doing it for years and I don't know everything. <laughs> yeah. And so, but I love it when a guy like, loves to explore and want to learn. I think that's such a, so attractive and such a turn on. Yeah, it is. Like, even if like, if I was with a guy and he said like, I want to know what, you know, what you need. I'm curious. Like, I don't know. I'd be like, Oh my God. Okay. Like I would love to tell him. And I think as women, yeah. we just love to, we love a guy to come to us with that question and just say, Oh my God. Okay. I'll tell you, this is so yeah. exciting. <laughs> Sexy. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Cool. So I'd love to dive into all the topics that I never talk about. And like most of my guests never talk about, which I feel you are very open to talking about on your Instagram, just based on just, Oh yeah. So let's get into like, <laughs> the dirty details of all this. Okie dokie. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> such like an evil laugh. I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk, can we start about, let's start with squirting. This is a topic yeah. that so many guys want to get their women to squirt. And I think there's just a lot of questions like, can every woman squirt? And how do I get her to squirt? Is it more pleasurable? What can you say about squirting? Okay, every every female bodied person has the anatomy to squirt, but it doesn't necessarily mean that they they will squirt. That's the thing. So you have to be comfortable. The vulva owner has to be comfortable. They have to be relaxed. They have to have good muscle control. They can't be. They can't feel pressured by their partner because a lot of times I'll get things where um, men. They want their partner to squirt, and they end up putting pressure on their partner to experience this squirting, and they end up not squirting because it's too much pressure. 
Pressure, what do you mean by pressure? So, so they're putting pressure on their partner to, I want you to squirt. I want to experience this squirt. So what happens is the woman is trying really hard or she feels like, oh, my God, I need to do this for his ego. And so mm. she ends up unable to squirt because it's too much pressure for her. What about the physiology? And that's that. Go ahead, sorry. In terms of uh, the uh, physiology, all women can possibly squirt. All of them, we all have the anatomy to squirt, but it does have a lot to do with muscle control as well. So the, the, the vulva owner must develop the muscle control, and then her partner must also do a series of things as well. And that has a lot to do with the G-spot stimulation. Mm. Okay. Can you talk about that, like how to hit the G-spot? I sure can, but let me add one more thing. Another yeah. indicator of of a woman being able to squirt is that she has venous dimples. Do you know what venous dimples are? No. Yes, those, it's those little dimples that's right above your buttocks. When you see a woman with those little dimples, she's highly likely able to squirt. It's not to say that if she doesn't have those venous dimples that she will be unable, but if she does, she's likely a squirter. Wow, why is that? I can't even remember the anatomical um, reason for it, but mm. that is an indicator. Wow, it's so interesting. <laughs> so let's talk like what does the guy have to do to hit her G spot and what is he in control? Okay, first and foremost, yes, first and foremost, he must make sure she's aroused. If she's not aroused, he's absolutely not going to be able to find the G-spot. So what happens is as the female body person becomes aroused, the G-spot swells. And it's not really a spot, it's an area. So you want to go inside the vagina about two to three inches toward the navel, and you want to feel for something that feels like corduroy or feels like the roof of your mouth, and that is the G-spot area. So so you can use um, start off by using the fingers, like with the come here motion and rub that, or you can press up into the G-spot, like with a firm pressure and kind of um, manually stimulate the area. And once she gets aroused, it makes it easier to hit. So if you want to do it during intercourse, you could do it in a doggy style position, but instead of going straight into the vagina, you want to angle toward the belly button mm -hmm. when you're stroking. Yes. And then um, another great way of doing it is really, really in missionary position and really, really shallow strokes upward toward the belly button if she's on her back. And then also putting pillows underneath her buttocks so she's her, her pelvis is tilted mm -hmm. and just angle up. And that's the way to hit the G-spot with the penis. Okay. And then another thing I'll, I'll add is is that if 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 they're using manual stimulation, go inside of the vagina again, do that come here motion, and then press on her abdominal area right above the pubic pubic mons mm -hmm. where the pubic hair grows grows. Press on that as he, as he's going inside of the vagina, and that stimulates the G spot. Now, one of the issues is is that it feels exactly like you have to pee. I mean, exactly. And a lot of times women have trouble just saying, releasing, because, you know, we've been taught to hold our urine, right? What is this? Yeah, it's like. Hold it in, hold it in, hold it in. But what happens is, and so when we're getting stimulated and we're getting that sensation that, oh, my God, I got to pee, 
a lot of women clamp down and they won't relax and let go. And, and in order for them to squirt, they have to relax and push down, like push their pelvic floor down for it to squirt. Mm. So I will tell your listeners, the men, let them know, let their partner know that it's okay. If they pee, they they just pee. That's what the shower is for. But they're mm-hmm. probably not going to be. But yeah, but make them feel just, comfortable. Um, totally. Yes, yes. Let her make her feel comfortable, and that's how you um, basically elicit that squirt. Ah, because squirting is mostly made up of urine, right? Is that true? I just heard that recently. No, maybe not, no, mo- not mostly. No, no, not not no. mostly, but like some of it. I don't know. Why I said mostly. It, it, well, it, it has some because you know it, it it goes through the urethra, and of course you might have trace there, but it's it's absolutely not not urine. Those of us that squirt will tell you absolutely not. It's colorless. It doesn't have a smell. It's 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 different. Oh, okay. It's absolutely different. Yes, but it's absolutely not pee. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm like it's all pee, right? <laughs> it's not pee. No, no. And you know what? There's, it's so many, you know, this is an area where there needs to be many, many more studies done. You know, they have, there's a lot of questions surrounding this whole squirting phenomenon. So, you know, people will say, oh, it's pee or it's this, but those of us who squirt, I'm a squirter, and it's definitely not urine. Mm. Even the way it comes out is not the same. I always thought it was interesting because I've seen it before, you know, and <laughs> seen it before in porn. Um, and in porn? <laughs> that out there um yeah and I've seen it and I'm like okay I you know it's definitely not pee but then I heard like the majority of it is pee because of you know where it comes from and how it's so yeah that was always I was always so curious about that I'm like what is it but no and then you also have to look at when we talk about porn and when you see those squirt scenes a lot of that a lot of times that might be pee (laughs) because mm, okay. <laughs> they tend to drink oh, uh, yeah oh yeah <laughs> they drink tons of water and you know they go to rub and they're eating you know projectiling across the room yeah. and it's not like that it's <laughs> <real life. laughs> that's the problem with porn like guys people, are like this is normal <laughs> no, it's, not. it's not normal now there's some people that may have that projectile squirting but the vast majority you know it could be a trickle it could gush down you know mm-hmm. but it, it you know don't look for that projectile type <laughs> porn yeah yeah a lot of times that's urine what they're doing uh-huh. yep interesting can we talk about um okay so now we're on, now that we're on the topic of porn what are the benefits of of couples watching porn together like do you think that's a good thing like what are your views on that and there's a lot of mixed reviews. And there are. There are a lot of mixed reviews. I'm personally not against porn. I think that it can be arousing. I think that it can add a little bit of a spice and excitement. I think that, you know, it can expose you to different type of genres because a lot of times we are not aware of certain techniques. So you may see something that you might be interested in doing. Um, I think it's also a vehicle to communicate your desires. You can, I always say, you know, things like, you know, situate yourself. So yeah, if you want to do certain sex acts, you can tell your partner, hey, what do you think about that? So you might see a sex scene on porn and you can say to your partner, hey, what do you think about that? And that can be a door to open up that conversation for that act. Um, I think it's great for fantasy play. Um, I do have a client who was interested in having sex in the same room with other people. 
And so what they did was they started off with porn and they just used fantasy to envision them watching that person on the screen as if they were in the room with them. So they were watching them as they were engaged sexually. So, I mean, you can do voyeurism and, and play with it. So it does absolutely has its place and has its benefits. But I often tell people or I suggest to maybe use ethical porn, which is the porn made by women and for women. It gives you a more realistic view of what sex looks like instead of traditional porn. Mm. Yeah, that's true. There's so much yeah. crazy stuff out there. It, absolutely. And I think what happens, you know, I have to say, even though I, I think it can be advantageous, it has to be kept in perspective. You know, mm -hmm. you have to understand that it's 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 not real, that those camera shots, are, you know, those positions and angles, it's for the camera shot. You know, it's not a blueprint for how people look and it's not a blueprint for genital size and the way a vulva should look because that. You know, porn can cause a lot of shame in the body mm -hmm. because a lot of men think that they're supposed to have a 12-inch penis, and that's mm -hmm. not the case. Yeah, totally. You know, or if, a, yeah, or if a woman's lips, vaginal lips are longer, she thinks something's wrong with her because it's this cookie-cutter mm -hmm. view of genitals. You know, so yeah. as long as it's kept in perspective, you know, I think it could be fun. Yeah. And not used for sex ed, not used for sex ed. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Only used for fun. <laughs> then go learn what real sex is. Only for fun. <laughs> yes, yes. What do you think is the difference between porn addiction? Because there's so many guys out there now who are trying to fight porn addiction, you know, because it does mess with your brain. It does put you in the wrong place of like, you know, this is what to expect. And it's not what you should respect, uh, expect. Um, so when it comes to like the difference between being on porn or being attached to porn way too much? Like, what do you think is a healthy balance of of watching porn for men, for men to still have the idea of what real sex is? The thing is, is that if you need porn in order to get aroused, if you prefer watching porn over having sex with your partner, if it's interfering mm -hmm. with your day-to-day -day life and you can't, you know, go to work and things like that, then we're talking about something that is a bit excessive, that I think you run into the, the addiction of porn because you're you're essentially changing your view of what sex looks like. You know, there are some men who cannot get a, an erection if they don't look at pornography. Mm. You know, or if their partner doesn't look a certain way. So when you're finding that it's altering um, your connection with others, then it, it's time to back off of it, definitely. Mm, I like that. Those are great points. Thank you. <laughs> what about um, what about taste? Genital taste. Uh, oh, yeah. What do you have to say about that? <laughs> I just want you to take this one. Just take it and run with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> well, diet has a lot to do with the way you taste and smell. I'm, I'm telling you, it has a lot to do with it. So, um, and it also has to do with how long the semen has been in your body, too. But let's talk about the mm. diet first. Okay. So if you consume a lot of things like dairy, alcohol, red meat, asparagus, broccoli, garlic, nicotine, um, there are certain vi vitamins that you could taste, all of that can make your 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 semen taste not so good. Uh, <laughs> yes. 
not so good. I mean, it's it, it's true. You are what you eat. Seriously. Yeah. Especially asparagus. Just everyone and, should never eat asparagus. <laughs> oh yeah, asparagus. Like I personally don't eat asparagus. I love it, but I don't eat it don't just because I feel gross eating it. Because then I have to pee. <laughs> At some point, I have to pee. And, oh yeah. And then the other thing is, is if the if the semen is in the body for long periods of time. So if they haven't ejaculated in a long time, mm. the the semen can taste very strong and pungent. Mm. So I recommend, you know, that maybe they masturbate and ejaculate so that semen can come out so that the taste won't be as harsh. But it has so much to do with diet. And the same holds true if you eat certain good things. So if you're eating things like um, fruits, like blueberries, pineapples, uh, citrus fruits, uh, parsley, wheatgrass, cinnamon, things like that. All of that mm. can take the acidity out of the semen and have you nice and tasty. Ah, yeah, I heard pineapple juice is is a good one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, right? pineapple juice and any type of citrus fruit, like fruits and things like that. That's why you ever heard that saying that vegetarians and vegans taste better. Oh, no. Because they don't have, oh, you never heard that say yes. And they say because they don't have meats and things like that. And they eat lots of fruits oh. and vegetables. Ah. Yes. As long as they're not eating asparagus, they're good. <laughs> as long as they're not eating, eating asparagus. And you know what else What else does that that, that changes the taste is, is cauliflower. And I love mm. cauliflower. Okay. But cauliflower is one of them as well. Yes, and certain green leafy things. Mm. Yeah. That's good to know. So maybe like before a date, if the guy knows he's going to have um, exchange oral sex, then maybe it's a good idea to masturbate before if he hasn't in a while and then also avoid those foods and eat more fruit. Exactly. exactly. And I would say maybe a day or two before ah, okay. to, to get those, those fruits and vegetables, take a wheatgrass shot or something along those lines. <laughs> Prepare, guys. Prepare. <laughs> yes, please. We appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, we do. I always wonder if, like, if it's harder for the guy because with women, you know, it gets all over their face. But then at the same time, we get so much of it at once where it's like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. It's like, what's, yeah, you know, I think we have it worse, honestly, but. You know what? That is one of my one of the questions that I have listed for the question of the day to put on Instagram is which is which is more work, uh, cunnilingus or fellatio? <laughs> but you know, it takes a lot of jaw work when you're going yeah. down on a oh, guy. Yeah. It takes a lot. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it is so. We yeah. I don't even know what to say. Yeah, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it is. I don't think guys understand it because guys only just guys can mush their face around a little bit and we're we're set, you know, but it's like mm -hmm. with us, it, it is a lot of the jaw. It Then it gives you a headache, right? If it's like so much jaw, it will. And then your yes, lips, it, it will hurts your lips, like going back and forth that much. <laughs> Oh, well, man. I do. I have a master class coming out that really teaches you how to go the distance with it. And I also have a free, I don't know if you saw that free guide on my Instagram that I call oral aerobics. And it oh. helps both men and women strengthen their jaws and their mouth and their tongue so that, that, so that they can go the distance. Oh, I like that. So you don't hear about yes. stuff like that. And we all need it. Oh, 
Oh, we absolutely do because it is some work, and that's why it's important. I often tell people, you know, when a, when a, when someone's going down on on a person, it takes work. So please communicate if they're yeah. not doing a good job. Yeah, right. <laughs> no one, <laughs> no one wants to be down there working and it's not doing anything. <laughs> that's so true, and I feel like that happens all the time. It's like an hour goes by, and it's like, oh, this isn't really doing anything. <laughs> what? <laughs> Oh man, this never happened to me, but you know what I mean. Uh huh. Yeah, exactly. I, I understand. <laughs> of course not. Never. Okay. What about um? This is something interesting. You put um. You just had a post recent. I think it was your most recent post. You were talking about blowing into the vagina and how that's really not good. Do you want to talk yes. about that just so that the guys know that? Oh, yes. Um, whenever you're performing oral sex on your partner, please do not blow air into the vagina. Um, a lot of times, I don't know if that's a new thing that's going on or a technique that some men feel are, um, or even women feel is a good thing, but it's not. It can act, it can be fatal. It, it can be, it's very, it could be dangerous. It's a rare condition called air embolism. Mm -hmm. And that's, um, again could be fatal you know it's rare but you know i wouldn't take any chances that's what i put on my yeah. nose today don't take any chances with that and when i was pregnant with um my child my doctor told me to make sure my husband wasn't blowing inside of my vagina when he was going down on me wow so it's something that you know that we don't talk about and i don't know how many people really know that that is a real problem Wow. Yeah, I heard that when I was yeah. young. I don't know if my mom told me to be careful of that, but like, but besides learning about it when I was young, like I never hear about it ever. You never read about it. You never hear that it should be a, you know, warning sign. Like, don't do that. Yes. And see, that's why these type of conversations, what you're doing here, that's why they're so important so we can get the information out and people can ask questions, you know, yeah. and look it up for themselves. Yes. It's so important that we talk about these things. Yeah, especially because blowing is something that can be very, you know, sexy and arousing. So it's like, why wouldn't you try that, you know, if you, I don't know. And you can do a variation on it. You can you can definitely do a variation on it. So when um, they're going down on their partner, just kind of breathe up toward the top where the clitoris is. You The problem is, is when you blow pressured hair air into the vagina. Mm -hmm. But if you just breathe on it, maybe let them feel your hot, hot breath, maybe suck up you know, suck up and then go back down so you can get a cooling sensation on the vulva. Yeah. But um, there's ways that you can still use breath safely. Just don't blow directly inside of the vagina. Yeah. Don't do a power blow in the vagina. Yeah, no, yeah. exactly. <laughs> no power blows in the vagina. But I like what you so. said about, because um, I've heard this before and like a, there was like some giving head guide or something like tips on how to give good head. <laughs> I was reading one day and um, <laughs> I'm giving way too much information on this show. <laughs> um, but it had this, it had exactly what you said, like a technique, a really good oral technique is breathing out, you know, to, to bring hot air on your partner and then sucking in to bring yeah. the cold air. And I never, I would never think to tell guys to do that on, you know, on a female's clit. Oh, yes. 
Oh, yes. And then guys need to understand, you know, it's not oral, oral clit. You need to kind of, you know, prepare. When we talk about oral, you know, you want to orally please everything, and they really want to work on working their partner up. So one huge mistake that a lot of men make is is that they use oral sex as foreplay. So what they'll do is they'll go straight for the clit and just start licking. There's no prep. There's mm. no kissing. There's oh no licking God. around it. Yeah. And so yeah. the trick is is that you want to build arousal. So kind of lick on the thighs. Lick on the crease of the thigh. You know, and make your partner beg for your mouth. Like kind of go across the, the vulva and just kind of let them feel your breath but don't lick it, you know, and yeah. just lick all around it. Lick the abdomen. For um, female body people, the abdomen is something that's very, very sensitive for many. Play in that area. But they want to build arousal, and the reality is if they build arousal, they won't have to be down there as long if they know what they're doing for their partner. Yeah. That's so true. And I think guys just think we're the same as them, where they just get sexually turned on in two seconds and they're ready to go. But it's like <laughs> women need time. But like, that's a myth. That's not true. That's not true. Not all men. That is a I myth. feel most men. <laughs> <laughs> most men do not respect the foreplay because they don't need it. But like, yeah, you're right. I can't put all men in a box and say that. Um but yeah, I feel that, um, that women, especially like we need, we need the time and we like, we like to be like teased and, you know, that's exactly. the best part. The foreplay is so the best part. <laughs> that is. And then what happens is a, a, a lot of times, you know, men are trying to penetrate and she's not ready yet. So there's yeah. a process called tinting where, you know, where the, uh, um, uterus lifts up to allow space for for the penis to enter mm -hmm. because you know some men may realize that they may go into their partner and it's painful for them and then another time it's not painful at all that's because you haven't given her given her time for her body to prepare to receive the penis because she's not aroused completely yet mm. so she's like physically not you expanded know? enough internally exactly she's physically not expanded enough yet yeah. And I did a post on that and a lot of people said they had never heard of tinting, but it takes time. You have to build up the arousal level. And it also holds true for like the squirting and the G spot stimulation that we talked about. If she's not aroused, you're not gonna even be able to feel the G spot or it's gonna be really painful. Mm. Yeah. How do yeah, guys know? How do so, guys know if she's totally aroused? Um they have to ask. <laughs> <laughs> they have to watch the breath. They need to watch. They, you know, they need to listen to the breath. Um, usually breathing patterns change. You can also see the surface of the skin, like the hair, and then the moisture of the skin. Look at that. Is she thrusting forward? Is she moaning? What's going on? You have to pay attention. You know, ask, how does that feel? You know, you, they have to kind of be in tune with their partner and respond accordingly. Because lubrication is not an indicator of arousal. So mm -hmm. she can be dry. She can be dry but aroused and wet and not aroused. Mm. That's important. That's a very important because a lot of times um, partners may think, a person may think, oh, she's wet, so she's ready. But no, not necessarily. Mm. Not <laughs> 
<laughs> communicate. Not necessarily. That's the thing. I think there's so many guys that are worried about communicating. Like, oh, she'll think I don't know what I'm doing if I have to ask her a question. But like, no matter what you ask, you know, if it leads to like you trying to do a better job or like trying to please her, she's going to love it. You know, women will yeah. never think you're weird for asking a question. I think it's important and I think it goes both ways. When it comes to yeah. a good sex life, you have to communicate. I say it over and over and over again. You have to talk to your person, your partner, because I get a lot of questions where, where they say, I think I just did a post or it's coming out soon where the person preferred to masturbate over having sex with her partner because mm-hmm. she can make herself orgasm, but her partner couldn't. And that stems to lack of communication. That stems from lack of communication. And, you know, we're, I say this too all the time. We can ingest each other's fluids. We can put our genitals in each other's mouth, but we can't tell our partner to the left a little softer. Yeah. Like that. You know, and that's something fundamentally wrong with that. And we all need to realize that, you know, in order for us to have wonderful sex life, we have to talk. Yeah. Or even if you want to do the, uh, don't want to use words, moan. You know, yes, right there. I like that, you know. Mm. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like some people are just silent and they're doing the starfish, I'm... not giving any signs. <laughs> <laughs> do not do the starfish, no starfish. ladies, you're listening, no, <laughs> or guys. <laughs> yes, the it's starfish is mood. not good. <laughs> yes, the starfish is not good, you know, because how would you know that you're doing a good job? Yeah, you wouldn't. You know, and another thing is when you're listening to your partner and you start to get that verbal feedback and that not those nonverbal cues, you want to make a mental note in your head. What were you doing when you, when you got that response? And just keep it in a library in the back of your head while you're learning your partner. And then what you do is you bring it all back out when you have that whole library of exactly what they want. Then you do that. I like that. Like, and even if it, even if it takes you like a comment, even if you, you have to make a comment to remember it better, like, oh, you liked that? And then maybe that will help yes. them remember, like say something out loud when she does that response. Yes. And another thing that can be done, you know, to take the pressure off, you can play a game with each other and say, okay, I want to explore your body. And you just tell me what you like. And you just explore your partner's body. Like, do you want it softer? Do you want it harder? Would you like it faster? Would you like it slower? And it takes the pressure off because you're just kind of exploring mm. each other. And that's a great way to communicate. And, again, you're making mental notes of what your partner is saying. What are you doing? And then you bring that back out. <laughs> Yeah. Those are the things that make you a good lover. That's so true. And I love that. Like the, the most fun I've ever had was role playing, but I was like, it was, he was my boyfriend at the time. So it was okay. And I feel like today when it's like, you just meet someone, maybe you've been on a few dates and you're having sex for like, you know, the first like one to three times, it's like, it could be, I feel, I feel like it's awkward for most people to have that fun laid back sex of like exploring and playing. And it's so like, you know, I have to be sexy and I have to like do it right and everything has to be perfect. You know, I feel like it's, we take it so seriously in the beginning and it's, it leaves the play out, which is the best part. Yes. Yes. Because we're putting on a performance and you know, we don't have to perform. And a lot of people don't realize how this performance impacts our sex life. Mm 
you know, women, they worry about what their orgasm face looks like. So they're trying to be cute. They're not. Oh, my God. Doing... I don't think I've ever thought of that. Now, all of a sudden, I'm self-conscious. <laughs> Shit. What do I look like? Oh, my God. And then then the, the penis owner is going, oh, my God, don't come, don't come, don't come, don't come. They yeah. got that going on in their oh head. Don't God. come. Oh, please stay hard. So you're missing out on everything that's going on because your mind is on everything else but the pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's true. I feel like the goal of sex should just be the pleasure. and It shouldn't be like, you have to come. Like, it should just be like, let's have fun and let's feel good. Make each other feel good. Yes, yes, you're so right. I, I, I totally, totally agree. But, you know, it's it's like we've been socially conditioned to chase that orgasm. Yeah. But, you know, orgasm on average lasts under 30 seconds. And it can last as, you know, as little as three seconds. So mm-hmm. why are you just chasing these 30 seconds when you can enjoy what you're feeling? You can get into your body, you know, enjoy the touch, the licking, the strokes, the, you know, the, the wetness, the smells, you know, get into your senses. You know, what are you hearing your partner say? Those are the things that you need to pay attention to and just enjoy. And the orgasm will come. But yeah. so often we're so goal, we're so goal oriented that we miss the pleasure that, that goes along with intimacy. Yeah. That's so true. And like, if you just focus on the pleasure, the orgasm will come. If you focus only on the orgasm, you most likely won't receive the pleasure. Until oh, yeah. that oh, yeah. second long orgasm, however long it is. <laughs> <laughs> one, the one second orgasm. <laughs> and then some people can't even experience the orgasm because they're yeah. so in their head trying to force it out or worrying about experiencing that orgasm that they're, they're, they're separated. They're in their head instead of being in the body. And so if you're not in your body, you're not experiencing your full pleasure. And then they'll question, how come I can't orgasm? It's because you're in your head. I need you to come down and be in your body. How do, you know? how would men, other, go ahead. I'm sorry. There's other reasons why people can't orgasm, but that is a, a, a common reason as well. And some women can't at all, right? There's a good number, right? There are a large number of women that say they can't orgasm, but a lot of times when I'm working with people, I have to understand what they mean when they say that. Because, you know, I'll get a question, Kane, I've never had an orgasm. And then as I keep reading, they'll say, I can only do it from oral. (laughs) You had an orgasm. Uh, uh, You know, and then there are some um, people who can only orgasm by themselves. They can only orgasm through masturbation. They can't orgasm through a partner, with a partner. But if you can orgasm by yourself, you can orgasm with a partner. There's some blockage there, and we have to explore what's going on there. And then sometimes people have trauma or something that um, they have a type of personality where they have to be in control all the time. They can't relax and release. They, too, have trouble orgasm, so, orgasming. So it's a number of reasons why you might not be experiencing orgasms, but I feel you can be taught to experience an orgasm. Yeah. I've taught many women how to have an orgasm. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think at that point it's just mental, you know, that you have a mental block yeah. and you need someone to help you get out of it. Yes. Yes, absolutely. 
What do you think if, cause I like that you mentioned like people are in their heads during sex and a lot of the men who, who follow me and listen to this podcast are also stuck in their heads. Um, what can you give, what advice would you give to them in order to get more into their body and out of their head? Well, it really depends on what the situation is, you know, what, what's going on. Like, um, I'll get things where men are in can their we do head. This situation, I'll, I'll like, you... Can we do this situation of them feeling like they're going to come too soon? Cause that's just a lot of my guys fear that. Yes, we can do that. What happens when it, when you, when you're, when you're in your head going, I'm going to come too fast. Yes, you're going to come. Yes, that's exactly what's going to happen because you're in your head. But what happens is, is that they have to learn how to tolerate pleasure. So it's a different layer there. So they have to learn how to tolerate pleasure. They have to understand when their body is reaching the point of no return. They have to under, they have to gain control. But that's mental. It can be, it can totally be controlled. They need to develop their, uh, their PC muscles, which is their pelvic floor muscle by doing kegels. But, you know, when we're talking about coming quick and things like that, you have control or your listeners have control of that. They just need to understand and know what to do to control or be able to tolerate pleasure. But if they stay in their head about worrying about coming quickly, they absolutely will come. Because hmm. their know, focus so the is focus there, right? needs to be Yeah. Yeah, the focus is there. And then they also need to learn, again, they need to spend some time engaging in mas- masturbating and understanding at what point are they about to come and then kind of pulling back from it. They need to learn control mm. when it comes to that. So it's not just in the head. It's, it's, it's you knowing your body and understanding your body. Yeah. I like how you mentioned the Kegel, strengthening the Kegel muscles. Um, Cause a lot of, a lot of people feel like that's, I mean, I think that society tart, targets women mostly when it comes to practice your kegels, you know, and no one talks, no one really yes. talks about how how important it is for men as well to strengthen that muscle for sex control. Oh my goodness. Yes. You're so right. You're so right. But men need to also do kegel exercises. They also need to, they can do things like take a washcloth and put it on their erect penis and do like push-ups with their penis with the washcloth on it. Oh. That helps Yes, that helps strengthen the PC muscle. Um, but they have to identify that PC muscle. And the first way of identifying that PC, PC muscle is you urinate and then you stop the flow of the urine. And then mm-hmm. you urinate and then you stop the flow of the unit. And that's how you identify the muscle. And once you identify the muscle, you can do it at any time. You can do it driving. You can do it standing in line. You can do it watching television, just flexing those muscles. And those muscles, those are the muscles that you use to control your ejaculation. <laughs> That's crazy. Because, like, when else do we really use? We never use those muscles. Like, we never practice that. <laughs> We're just not naturally taught to practice that, right? It, yes, that's correct. It, it, it's very true. But and it's also like any other muscle. So, if say, if you practice it and then you stop for ex- extended periods of time, then you, you know, you you lose that strength in that muscle. Mm-hmm. So it is something that needs to be part of your normal regimen, just like it is for people with a vulva. We should always be doing these Kegel muscles, you know, Kegel exercises. Yeah. So important. What would you say, <laughs> um, 
Oh, this is so cool. I love this conversation. <laughs> what would you say about, um, say a guy has a really low sex drive and he's not really sure what to do about it. What do you think is the first step to approaching that? Well, the, the first step is identifying why they have a low sex drive. You know, are they having, um, is there a medical issue? The first thing we do is always rule out the medical. So we're looking at what's going on, what medications are you on. There are certain medications that will totally, like antidepressants, mm. say they're on an antidepressant, Zoloft, uh, Paxil, things like that. Those are things that makes it difficult to orgasm and it takes your sex drive away. So maybe you can talk to your doctor about a different type of medication. You know, there are others like Wellibutrin that doesn't give you that those same side effects. Um, it could be what what's going on in a relationship. Are they happy in a relationship? That can take their sex drive down. Are you stressed? Are you tired? It's all of those things that we're looking at and we don't realize that these are the things that impact our sex life and our sex drive our sexual desire. So we have to look and see what's going on in their life and then address it from that end. Mm. But we always rule out the physical um, medical concerns first. Yeah. Well, yeah, because it could be so many things, right? Like there's so many. It could be so many things. And I think like I get a lot of questions on things where people think it's just a really quick answer and it's really not. You know, you have to really dig and see what's going on. And low sexual desire is one. Um, erection challenges is one. Coming quickly is one. You know, all of those you have to kind of dig and then see what course of action you're going to take to remedy their concerns. Yeah. And I think like going back to going back to sexual shame, I know I've worked with a few men that had um, erectile dysfunction. And just like coaching them through like their emotional blocks around sexual shame was a big thing to, to help them with that. And Oh, definitely. Yeah. I think that's just a killer. Like that's a huge sexual shame is we need to really do something about that as a society. Uh, yeah. And, and you know, it really, but a lot of times it's, you know, when we're talking about erection challenges, it has a lot to do with blood, blood flow issues, you know, so what's mm. going on? What's what's going on with the blood flow? You know what? How what? What age are they? What are what? What do they have a heart condition? You know, are they on sinus medicine and things like that? That causes. So I think a lot of people don't realize cold and sinus medicine causes erection challenges. Mm. Yeah. yeah, when they're are young, they though, like what do you see? Like, what do you see? The majority of them who are young, like how are they affected by it? Like twenties, like early twenties. <laughs> Sometimes that it seems like it stems from um, they have mental challenges. Um, sometimes they do have uh, medical issues. They may have diet, you know, about diabetes. They can have mm. sexual shyness. They can have anxiety or depression or insecurities about their masculinity. If they have concerns about their penis size, that can cause their ability to please their partner, if they have repressed anger. It could be so many different reasons. Yeah. Yes. And definitely relationship issues. If they have unresolved issues in the relationship or they're not happy, there's no erection going there. You know, a lot of people think that men are, they just wake up with this erection all the time. They're always up. But no, you know, they 
they have to be in loving relationships or not even loving relationships. They have to be in an environment that they're happy in, I, I should say, and that they mm. want to be in. Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be a relationship, but insecurities yeah. is, is huge. Penis size, huge when it comes to that. Yeah. Uh, that's like the sad part is there's so many. I don't think there's enough like people talking about this, especially especially with men and just being open about, you know, this is, it's, it's okay to have this size. Like you can still do just as good of a job, you know, like we don't like really address these things and they're so secretive and it's, it must be so, it must be so hard. It is so, you know, some of the messages that I receive are, you know, it's, it's tough. And that's one of the next projects, not the next one, a couple down the line, projects that I'm working on. I've been kind of talking about it, about doing a small penis empowerment group. And I'm going to mm -hmm. put together a program where I go over these are the things that you can do. You can still have an amazing sex life. It doesn't matter what your penis size is. You know, I'll teach oral. I'm going to teach manual. I'm going to teach positions that you can get in. And I also want to do a private support group because it's a real challenge for many. It really yeah. is. And we're not talking about that. And, and people, you know, they want to shame them. And then, unfortunately, porn shows 12-inch penises, and they mm. think that that's the normal size, and it's not. Yeah. Wow, you know, thank you so for doing really that. Do. I appreciate you for doing that. Yes, it's, it's, that's definitely one of the things that's on my radar that I really, really want to work, work with men on. Yeah. Some of the, some of the messages that I receive, you know, I can just feel the pain through the, the emails that they send me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you on that because I receive it a lot, a lot of those types of messages too. Yeah. <clears throat> But it's okay. It, it, you yeah. can still have a great sex life. Trust me. And then another thing I think a lot of people want to add while we're on this is that, you know, the first third of the vagina is the most sensitive part. Mm. You know, a lot of times, yes, a lot of people think that it's way deep in there. So, yes, you can do the, all kinds of things right in that first third of the vagina. And then the G spot is only two inches in, two to three inches in. So if you angle mm -hmm. properly, even with a smaller penis, you can stroke the G-spot. She can have a G-spot orgasm. So there's there's all types of things to do. They just have to be taught what to do. That's it. Yeah. It's probably just a little yeah. harder. It's more like targeted, right? You have to pay more attention. It's, you have to pay more attention. And then it's angles. It's certain mm. positions that you want to get into. You want to make it so the, the vaginal, vaginal canal is tighter. You know, there's anal. Mm. There's all types of things to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. You could still do pretty much everything. <laughs> all kinds of things. And then, you know, also there are couples. I work with couples where they incorporate strap-ons, too. They use his penis, mm. and then they'll use a bigger strap-on inside of their sex play. You know, there's no mm. right or wrong way. You just have to be creative. Yeah. And do what works for you and your partner. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Totally. Ah, I love that. Just be creative. All right. What about, what about this topic? Kissing after, kissing after oral. <laughs> Is that like safe? Is that good to do? What do you think? I'm going to tell you like this. If you don't want to kiss, if you don't want it in your mouth, I don't want it in my mouth. So if you're afraid <laughs> to kiss after. <laughs> Hell 
yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what you it's said. Just <laughs> <laughs> it's just as simple as that. But I posed that question <laughs> because. <laughs> yeah, these are all from your I Instagram. Mean... I'm taking. <laughs> put it out but... there. I'm going to ask her about it. Well, yeah, I mean, seriously, you know, I get so many, and, and you know, it comes from men mo- mainly. I'll ask the question, if you, and it had to do really with how that conversation came up was, it had to do with if the man came in their partner's mouth, would they kiss him afterwards? Mm-hmm. And so some said absolutely not. Some said wow. they don't mind. They don't mind. And so the question also was posed, what if it's just, oral with no ejaculation in the mouth they were more prone to do it that way but my thing is if you don't want it in your mouth i don't want it in my mouth yeah <laughs> yeah uh, you know I, yeah. I, you know but it's a real thing and, and it, it baffles me but you know people have their limitations and i understand that but it does make the other person feel bad when they don't want to kiss some people it makes them feel bad when they don't want to kiss afterwards mm-hmm. I feel like women, especially like we want to be kissed more afterwards, men yeah. too, but I feel like especially women, like we want to be cuddled and kissed. And if we're not yes. kissed, it's like, oh my God, <laughs> what? Very yeah. Sad. And I typically will ask, I will ask, is there some kind of, what's the, what's the time limit that you will kiss again after you, after they've had their penis in your mouth? Is it, you have to wait an hour or how long yeah. do you have to wait? <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it's. It's been in there regardless. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. This is not the first time. So why, what, why do we have to wait? Yeah. You oh know. Get over it, guys. <laughs> Get over it. Yes. I mean, it's it's your body. You yeah. know, same whole shoe. Like, I'll kiss. Be proud of kiss your my sperm. husband afterwards. <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely. I like me. I think I taste good. So I'll kiss my husband afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> so. same here. <laughs> <laughs> you. I'm like, ooh, tasty. So <laughs> I'm good, right? So I mean, <laughs> I've always listen. I've always subscribed to the practice of do not ask me to do anything you're not willing to do. Yeah, you know, period. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Okay, so before the very last question. Coach Kane, where can um, where can the guys find you if they want to hear more about you? If they can they can reach me on Instagram, and that's at Sex Coach Kane, and the Kane is spelled C A I N. Or they can reach me on my website at romanticdiscovery.com. Awesome. Okay, for the last question, if you could leave the guys with any piece, one piece of sex advice. What do you think is the most important? I would say to be open, to be open and willing to try and to communicate. It's hard for me to say one thing, so, but <laughs> it's so hard. But please communicate. Please understand what your partner wants, needs, and desire, and, and make them feel that it's okay to come to you and express those things. Thanks so much, Sex Coach Kane, for being on the show. I really appreciate this, and I appreciate you and the work you're doing. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Woo!
Okay, that was the episode, guys. I hope you enjoyed that one. And it was a little, it was a little juicy. It was a little raw. I was given a lot, I was given a little bit too much information to feel about myself. But it was a really fun interview. And I think, you know, I was going through um, a slight editing process just because I, I have to do that and for interviews, you know, if if people want things taken out or if they're too long. But um, when I was going through the editing process, I was thinking of taking out a lot of the things I said personally. And then I thought, but hey, you know, this whole the whole point of having Coach Kane on this interview is to I mean, her mission is to normalize sex. Right. And I think that's that's what we need to do. We need to stop making it such a taboo thing. And it could still be a, a, a special thing and even a special monogamous thing that's only meant to be really spoken of and shared with with the one person. But at the same time, it's we I want you guys to feel free to ask questions, you know, when it comes to your sexuality or when it comes to sex in general, like. You know, guys, if we treat it as more as like, oh, this is just a part of life. You know, it's no big deal. It's a part of life. And, you know, it's we should know more about it or we should want to know more about it or not be afraid to ask questions about it. Make it more normal, um, I think, is really should really be the goal to release you guys of any sexual shame you may be holding on to and and any awkwardness or or being stuck in your head. I know a lot of you guys have that. You feel like you're stuck. And the reason why you're stuck is because there's no fluid communication around this topic. And it makes sense, you know? So the more fluidity we can have around sex and talking about it and and telling each other what we enjoy and being okay with sharing that and being vulnerable about it, um, then that's the most important thing because you really can't be vulnerable and courageous at the same time. So if we want to build courage in our sex lives, then we need to be vulnerable about our sex lives first, right? And that's Brene Brown right there. Watch your Netflix special if you haven't. All right, guys, (laughs) that is it. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if any of you guys feel like you're struggling here and you really need someone to talk to or coach you through this stuff, especially when it comes to your mentality or any past blocks that are keeping you from moving forward, then you know how to reach me, okay? Go to sgdatingcoach.com and head over to the contact tab, okay? You can fill out a personal... um, Fill out that personal form so that you can receive a personal evaluation with me. It's a 20 to 30 minute free call where I give you some clarity on your current situation and where you want to go from where you're at right now, okay? Because you can't get to where you want to go if you don't know where you are right now. So we got to make those two things very clear, okay? All right, guys, that's it. Have a great night or morning wherever you are in the world. I love you. I appreciate you. And I'll talk to you in the next episode. Bye, guys. (laughs) 